0: Hey, yogi, Sarah Burchard here, and you are listening to Yoga Unplugged Conversations, a show dedicated to helping you grow, thrive, and gracefully make tough life decisions so you can lead a happier, healthier life. On this show, we discuss common challenges that everyone can relate to and apply philosophy and practical tools that have been proven to be effective solutions. Today, Jennifer and I are talking about the powerful practice of yoga nidra. First, what it is, and second, what it can do for you. I know for me, Yoga Nidra has helped me in profound ways. I use it to restore my energy, to calm me down, to help me fall asleep, and for so much more. It's a tool I use on a regular basis and notice a difference when I skip it for even just a week. There are different styles and different ways to practice, but in the end, I think the outcome is pretty much the same. So really, I think it all comes down to what works for you, but Jennifer can speak more to that. If you are new to this podcast, Jennifer Reuter is the founder of Yoga Unplugged. She's been teaching yoga since the year 2000 and advanced training since 2009. This includes but is not limited to Nilakantha meditation and iRest Yoga Nidra. If you are interested in learning more about her, which I highly recommend, you can do that on our website at yogaunplugged.org. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi Sarah. Thanks How are you? for
1: having me. I'm wonderful.
0: Awesome. So first off, what is yoga nidra and what is happening to your body and mind during this practice? (laughs) That's a
1: great question. (laughs) What is happening in yoga nidra? (laughs) So yoga nidra is a systematic meditative practice. So if you've experienced it, it's following a protocol. It's following a meditation map that takes us from The gross levels of our being to the subtle levels of our being and its effects are profound they're very restorative healing just a way to access deeper layers of ourself of our being and so in one of the blogs that i wrote i I actually wrote a blog about yoga nidra so people can check back with the blogs that we offer at yoga unplugged but i was blogging about what resting is and what true rest, true resting is. And there's a difference between the two. And I think yoga nidra really addresses true rest. So resting, as I was blogging about, is, is this very simple. You know, you, you're sitting there, you're reading a book. That's, that's resting, we could say. Watching a movie, binge watching a Netflix series is, is a very popular one. But that's not true rest true rest is when the whole system where it's the muscles inside the body the emotions inside the mind the stories and beliefs that we have are able to be addressed are able to be seen are able to be relaxed and as that process is taking place one begins to connect to their authentic sense of self their this place inside that never changes is timeless is perfectly whole, and it's that dipping in to that place of wholeness that brings on the true rest simultaneously addressing all those tensions that we do carry muscularly and emotionally and mentally and so so yoga nidra is this map that we 're following, and it is a practice so with one practice even. There is, a, there is something you will notice, um, and that could be just you have more energy in the day, there could be more clarity, but with consistent practice, as it's true with any style of meditation, authentic meditation, one begins to peel back the layers of the onion, if you will, to recognize another domain of themselves, and this is exactly what Yoga Nidra is doing. It begins to Create a relationship with this other domain, which some might call a witnessing presence, but this idea of the essence of who we are. We start over time creating a very strong relationship with that place and resting and marinating in that place so that we can then re enter and meet and greet and respond to whatever life challenge or life situation. Is is at hand.
0: Hmm, absolutely, uh, and there are different types of yoga nidra. Can you break down some of the major types and the main differences between each one, and why someone would choose one over the other?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Again, I'm really speaking from my own experience, and I've been practicing yoga nidra since 2005. I have definitely experienced the varieties of yoga nidra that are being offered I love them all I wouldn't say one is better than the other they're just different there's some subtleties into the approach but they're all fabulous Uh, so in 2005 um, when I started this practice I was learning it through one of my first teachers Swami Dev, and he was from the Bihar school of India and so the way that he taught it was was very classic and traditional, um, quote Bihar style, and it g- came you know, very much related to what's called the Blue Book of Yoga Nidra, that actually I just learned from the conference I attended last summer at Kripalu is is outdated. So anybody using the Blue Book of Yoga Nidra should know that those practices are outdated in terms of they, they tend to be a little advanced for. For most of us and they they're looking at re-editing that book is what they were saying in the conference this is from
0: the bihar school is the language too is it like the language that's too advanced or like what about it is
1: it's the concepts okay it's the language yeah they're taking you into deep subtle chakras and imagery that people aren't ready for and particularly in the west and I think that was what Richard Miller was, and he, Richard Miller is founder of iRest. Mm. Um, what he noticed, because in the 70s, when he learned this practice and experienced it, yeah, he, he fell in love with it too, but some of the imagery is, you know, visualizing a, a chivalingum. And you know, people <laughs> like, what's that? Uh-huh. A what, <laughs> where? You know, and then there's, you know, an inverted red triangle in your pelvis.
0: And oh, people, I've heard that like, one. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, like some of us are like, really? Okay. Well it's it's funny. Sorry to just interrupt real quick, but you know, when I was in San Francisco every week I used to go to this class and it was a restorative class, but now that I know what I know now, I know that it was also a yoga nidra class, but they just weren't calling it that back then. And I don't know if that's because People didn't know what that was. So, you know, it's like a marketing, from a marketing stance, you're not going to put that because people are going to be like, well, what's that or what? But yeah, they used a lot of this imagery that I was just like, man, where is he pulling this from? But <laughs> yeah, it must have been that. It's just that you're kind of trying to make it approachable. So you, you use a different name for it to lure people in and then you <laughs> <start> <laughs> and then you no, drop yoga the- nidra <laughs> on them when they get <laughs> yeah. there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, so that was, that was one of the things that Richard Miller wanted to adapt when he began to teach this himself. He was like, you know, I don't think everybody's relating to some of this, these images that are from India.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: why not make images for the West that the Western mind can relate to and understand? And because that's what we're trying to do is personalize our meditation, not confuse anybody or give them something even that they're not ready for. Mm-hmm. And so back to like my own experience. So I started with Bihar and particularly with Swami Shankardev, uh his and I to be honest, you know, I slept through most of it because back then I was just exhausted. I that was like a really difficult time in my life. And so I was had so much sleep debt and I wasn't one that could take a nap. I just still really can't even take a nap. Um as soon as I lay down, my mind starts up. Mm-hmm. So I had no tools for self-regulation of my own energy and my own emotions. So when I learned this tool from Swami Shankaranth, I found immediate results of rest and relief, even though I was sleeping through most of it. Now I didn't sleep for hours. I would, once the session was done, I was wide awake. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was knocked out. So, um, but all I knew is that my life was better. I was clear. I was more patient. I was more loving, and so that's why I just kept doing it. I just kept doing it, and I never stopped doing it. So I've been like real practitioner of this pra- method for, well, for a long time. After a while, I wanted then to know what was going on, like how you opened up this conversation. What is going on in Yoga Nidra? Something is happening here and my life is better and i really want to understand the context of this and one of my things my other meditation teacher my seated meditation teacher says to you want to have both you want to have theory and you want to have practice together they really allow a deeper experience if we only practice and we don't have theory you're going to you're going to get results but you only go so far And also, if we read about something and we never practice it, again, we can only get so far with it. So I was ready to understand the theoretical context, like what was really going on. So I was looking at doing a a training, and I was drawn to iRest. And I was drawn because I liked the name, and I wanted to be able to teach this to anybody. And I didn't want to get stuck with the word Yoga Nidra. As much as I love the Sanskrit and the meaning of that, and I'm a devoted yogi, I wanted to be bilingual, I wanted to offer to the people who really aren't yogis, a practice called I rest, And to my yogi friends, I wanted to offer yoga nidra. And so this was very, I felt like this was offering a complete package. So that's what kind of lured me into going with I rest training. Once I started diving into that, I realized, oh, this is different than Bihar. And in terms of Richard Miller was adapting a lot of the instructions for a Western mind. And it definitely was offering more tools in how to work with emotions that, that Bihar didn't really go with, uh, didn't take me as deeply into. Hmm. And so I was able to learn a lot more about how to work with emotions inside the yoga practice myself and then as a teacher. And so then um, after being with that practice and teaching it, I wanted to deepen and even more. So I went back for a level two training. And then I, this past summer in Kripalu, I went to the first international yoga nidra conference. And this was oh, mind-blowing because here was all the, the big names of yoga nidra, all the family of yoga nidra. And so we had Bihar school was there. IREST was there. The Amrit method was there. Uh, Total yoga nidra network out of europe was there and to see them all together on a panel and to experience each one of their styles it was very enlightening and as much as there's some differences they really are similar and they might start the body scan a little differently but everyone's trying to their goal is the same the goal is to, to take a person that has Perhaps a lot of tension, um, a lot of stimulation, and try to get them down and like so. Yoga nidra. The, the idea is that it's progressively following the biological processes of sleep, so it's mm. following those same steps. And so that's what all the different styles, no matter what the names call, that's what the goal is: is to take you down into these layers and levels of your being by allowing the brain waves to move from beta, which is the wide-eyed alert brain wave, moving it down into alpha, so we start to close our eyes. 80% of stimulation begins to decrease, by the way, just by closing the eyes. Mm -hmm. So we start dropping into alpha, we start to move into theta, and then just after theta is delta, that's sleep. So what nidra means, besides sleep so oftentimes people call this the sleep of the yogi this practice and yeah one of the definitions is sleep but another definition for nidra is changing states of consciousness changing states of consciousness and you'll begin to observe in the practice how that in fact is happening we are at one state and then we start dropping down into a deeper state and a deeper state. And depending on the person, and depending on how much sleep debt they have, <laughs> they may not be able to hang on to theta. They'll be just slipping into delta, and they might never be able to come back because this is the brilliancy of our nervous system. Our nervous system is smarter than we are, and it's designed to survive, it's designed to take care of us. So, if given a chance to heal, and we have sleep, sleep debt, the nervous system will override whatever, however it is we feel about it and put us to sleep because that's what we need. That's mm-hmm. how we're gonna heal ourselves, how we're gonna regenerate. After we've been able to bucket some of that out, then we'll be able to hover in some of these theta states. And it's, it is where a lot of the unconscious material lies, um, is on that, that edge. Can process things and um, have creative insight. And so so changing states of consciousness is what, what's happening. And also changing states of consciousness is being able to recognize, yes, we, there's sensations moving through, there's emotions moving through, there's our stories running through. And so that's all part of it too. It's It's changing as well. Everything's kind of changing, but The more we practice the more we begin to one of the principles of the practice is to welcome everything in we're learning how to welcome everything in no matter what's going on it's welcomed as we take that seat of receptivity we begin to see oh the 40 different voices in our head but we don't identify with it we begin to as with any again authentic meditation practice We begin to discover, like I was mentioning in the beginning, another domain of our being. And as we practice that, we're welcoming in our changing states of consciousness, yet we are still at the same time, this witnessing presence. We're watching it, not getting wrapped up in it, not getting involved and not identifying. We're just, we're just watching. And so that has a very healing effect because what takes us out of our meditation, no matter what kind you're practicing, is when we react to those changing states of consciousness, when we react to them and we get involved. And then the stories just go on and on. We've identified with it. So this is a beautiful practice of It is so beautiful.
0: I, I want to talk a little bit about setting intentions, but before we get there, the yoga nidra is like a journey and there's different phases like you said of the practice can you go through each one cuz i know there's like a body scan like are are there set things that are in every practice and that you that everybody goes through everybody you know all the teachers like will lead you through and are those in a particular order
1: yeah i mean, in general there's a a map like i was saying mm-hmm. and a protocol of which You're following. And so it's moving from the gross to the subtle. Uh, So it generally starts uh, with a body scan. However, Amrit does not start right away with a body scan. They start with some breath and then they come back to the body scan and then they come back to breath. So, with that being said, the other styles that I've practiced usually begin right away with a body scan. And that's after an intention has been set or a heartfelt desire has been affirmed. iREST uses a inner resource as well as part of their intro before they hit body scan. So there's this, right before the body scan, there's this place, not all styles will offer an intention, but most of them do. And that intention could be just an intention for the practice, it could be a heartfelt desire that we have for ourselves or others. And then, like I mentioned, I rest includes an inner resource. And then, then it proceeds to the growth. So that would be the body. And it starts to rotate attention throughout the body. According to different schools of yoga nidra, that's going to be different. So Bihar likes to start in the, the right hand. And IRS likes to start in the mouth. So um, Another practice that's is Rod Stryker's practice. Um, And he's another, he's a big yoga teacher, has offered a lot with the yoga nidra. And he starts, well, I don't know, but his CDs that I used to practice a lot always started in the mouth. Amrit, I believe, starts at the third eye. So they have these different places of starting. And then you just start to walk through the body with your attention as these different body parts are being named, the idea and theory is that we're not thinking our way, and this is really important, you are not trying to think your way through the body, but feel and sense the body. And it's following the brain's homunculus, which is uh, this part of our brain that's correlated to every body part. And so as we begin to register these parts with our brain, we want, with the intention of feeling them, we actually do feel them and they start to get tingly. Now this isn't the case all the time, but the more you practice, the more tingling and more sensation you will be able to access because you start to get really good at it. And that tingling and that sensation is the relaxation response. So we're learning how to relax from the inside to the outside, and this is a very powerful thing to do, and to be able to not get the massage, not have someone else do it for you. Here, you can do it yourself, moving from the central nervous system and relaxing from the inside out into the periphery of the body. It's it's fantastic, and it's uh, it's a it's a skill. We do need to practice it, but once those circuitries of the brain have been laid down, it gets it gets easier and easier. My caution with different schools, they have different maps of rotating attention is that sometimes practitioners get stuck with one rotation. So they'll meet might be taking a teacher's class and they're rotating the, the body parts in a certain way. And then you go take another person's class and it's, it's a different rotation. And sometimes people I've been told they, 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 oh, I can't do it. You know, I don't know. Like, that's not how we start the practice. I'm used to starting here in my body. And so, that's the only caution. It's like, we want to, again, the receptivity, not being rigid about where we're starting our rotation. One is not better than the other. It's just different entry points. And so, uh, we want to be flexible and open so that no matter what practice we're doing, we can just slide in there. And begin to relax the body. This uh, body scan is is not something that is um, only practiced in yoga nidra. I was taking this online mindfulness based stress reduction course, and I loved it. It's like right away they start you in body scan. It's like one of the very first practices. This is Jon Kabat-Zinn's mindfulness. Based stress reduction again right away body scan lie flat just like you do in yoga nidra and you start scanning the body learning how to shut down feeling the body because it's as we feel into these different parts of our body um, sometimes we don't feel anything and it's an interesting thing um, and sometimes we'll feel things and there might be pain there that we've been holding so there could be like a numbness, there could be pain even involved, there could be restlessness as we're going through the body, all kinds of things that we didn't know we were carrying with us really. And it's quite a discovery that once we welcome those sensations in and feel and connect to them, they do start to move away. Uh, they just need that, needed our attention or our connection with them. So...
0: I mean, the thing I love about it is it really gets you out of your head and into your body. And it's a fantastic tool for helping you get very present. Like it's hard not to be present when you're like thinking like, okay, think, feel your yeah. knee. <laughs> <feels> yeah. <laughs> you well,
1: right. Exactly. Because, because of the principle that you cannot think and feel at the same time. It's impossible. You hmm. can't do it. So you got to pick one. You're either thinking or you're feeling. And so because meditation is a somatic experience, this is the idea behind meditation is we're asking the analytical part of our brain to just fade a little to the background and to the foreground, we're bringing this other network in to just be, to sense, to feel. And so this is the strategy we're, we're trying to incorporate. If we're feeling and sensing, then you you can't be thinking. And this offers a different experience. And that's why they say, you know, meditation is non-conceptual. It's really hard then to articulate what's going on. You know, like as I'm saying, again, back to your opening, what's <laughs> going on in Yoga Nidra? You know, it's because meditation is very slippery and it's hard to articulate, but good things are happening. Life is better, you see, and that's that's what we're going for. So,
0: in and- Is this part of different styles, or is this a personal style where some teachers will take you through opposites like light and heavy, cold and hot, or using imagery like images that are supposed to make you feel certain emotions? Like I know you've done this before, where certain images are really nice, like you know, walking through a meadow, and then some might be kind of frightening or. And is this just people kind of adding a creative spin to their teachings or is this something that has to do with the method that they're specifically using?
1: Yeah, no. So this is, no one's making stuff up. I always like to say that when I start teaching the class, uh, I'm always saying like, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not sitting up here and just pulling stuff out of thin air. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really following a protocol I'm following the map. So as we then move through the body scan, the next layer is the breath. And so there'll be practices then that'll guide us into deeper breath awareness. And again, this is all about getting us to even acknowledge that we're not solid as much as we see ourselves as solid and, and feel or think of ourselves as solid. We're actually beings of vibration. And as we begin to experience that in the, physical body with the body scan we then begin to apply that into the breath as we start to feel and experience the breath as a sensation too and so the breath practices there's a lot of different ways then that you can pick and choose how to breathe you could offer a mental nadi shodhana which is the alternate nostril breathing you could offer diaphragmatic breathing counting is generally um, a popular one and people always think Oh you know I got to get down to zero whatever count it is but really the goal of counting the breaths is to practice staying one pointed because mm-hmm. yeah the mind is going to try to you know think and do its do, that's what it's that's what it does so it's just offering something else for the mind to focus on here let's count the breath and feel the breath see if that can help you stay more present then after the breath the next layer in Now we're ready to address the mind, the mental layers, which we start from the lower mind of feelings and emotions, which is just, this is working with opposites now. Now we're in the realm of opposites. And now Bihar school follows this as well. So it'll go into opposites of heaviness and lightness, warmth and coolness. And IRS follows the same protocol in terms of working with feeling these opposites, but where Iris took it a little differently is that they then ask you to feel both at the same time. So as you're beginning to experience heaviness and lightness separately, then the inquiry is, can you feel both simultaneously?
0: Yeah, that always screws me up. I'm like, what? (laughs) I know.
1: It's I love it though. Because you can't think your way into that. Right. You have to feel it. You can do it. You can feel both simultaneously, just like you can feel both palms at the same time.
0: I tend to stop breathing though when I start trying to feel that. I I don't know, it's weird because like I think I'm I'm maybe trying to feel it too much. And so like I turn off like I stop breathing because like like, it's too many things going on at once.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's that, you know, perfectionism
0: inside you. I'm gonna do (laughs) to do it
1: right. I don't know, guessing, but you know, I mean, again, we're welcoming everything in. So that's great. You know, you notice that you're, oh, I've, my breath has stopped. And right. judgment on it, it's like, cool, my breath has stopped. I've noticed that. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, move move on. But yeah. um, well, where it gets really good is now, If you, you, this is the part where if you are working with a heavy emotion, this is your part to kind of unwind it or process it or even just bump up against it a little bit. So we begin to work with opposites. So if there's a, an emotion that's challenging, how I like to teach this is, you know, that while people are lying there, they can, most people can feel into that they're comfortable or calm. I mean, everybody's pretty much flat, and they look calm. I mean, they may not be calm, but you know, I never know what's going on inside a person's head. But in general, in general, most people are in a very calm place. And so I'm just having them experience that calmness and feeling into where in their body do they feel comfort? Is it their big toe or, you know, where is that? And just stay with that comfort for a little bit. And then the opposite, of course, is discomfort and unease or a little agitation. So then as I start to bring in that opposite, I... I prompt them you know if you are working with a challenging emotion maybe there's an image to bring that up really quick and and just notice where is that living in your body because these emotions have a way of kind of hanging out in certain areas of our body our belly our throat our heart and can you stay with that emotion for a little bit and just see you know um, maybe even if it has a message so at this point in yoga nidra there's a lot of ways that one can begin to script it depending on who's in front of you could script it to just be with the emotion asking what it wants uh, what actions are you looking for me to take in the world or it might be just experiencing the emotion feeling it if there are messages we're taking it in but then coming back again to that comfort and that ease place and again as I was saying, this is eye rests. I love it. You, you're you trying to hold both at the same time. Can you hold both comfort and discomfort or calm and a little agitation simultaneously and notice how that impacts the body and mind? Well, it kind of crashes a little bit because it's hard. You can do it, but the realization is, oh my gosh, you know, like I, I'm a container for all of it. At one moment, I'm comfortable and the next moment, I'm not. One moment I'm warm and the next minute I'm cool. It's just, it's just a um, realization that this is what's going on all day long. And then there's this prompting or just recognition that is, can you take a moment to just step back and step out from all of this and begin to realize that at core and at depth, we are a witnessing presence and we're, con- we're just a container and emotions come in And they live for a while, and then they move out. And so this welcoming attitude of welcoming it in to see what the messages are, allowing it to be seen, and then it's just going to move out. And as we're stepping back from that, we begin to recognize that piece of ourself that is timeless, that can't be hurt, that doesn't grow old that doesn't need any fixing, because this place is perfect and whole. We know that this is the place that's been with us our entire life since we were born. Uh, it's the part of you that's listening right now and knowing that you're listening to this. And it's that part that we want to strengthen as much as we can in this world of chaos that, okay, yes, we have problems are going to arise, challenges will arise, but True rest is the ability to tap that place inside ourselves, the unchanging place, the place that you can count on and marinating and soaking in that place and then re-entering. There's a sense that you're even bringing it with you on your re-entry. So the protocol of Yoga Nidra then, as we find body scan, breath, the lower mind, the emotions, right? And the feelings that we might be having just bringing those to the surface a little bit and then if there's time and we want to we can move into higher mind of beliefs where our core beliefs about life as well as imagery and so imagery is used because it can be a very powerful way to unlock our own beliefs so for instance and you brought up that sometimes there's beautiful images and uh, nurturing images and sometimes the opposite of images that really test us and the whole and that's why it's really important i don't really get into imagery that often when i teach it i do do it sometimes but i always try to front load before going in to that practice of hey the pull point is things are gonna images are going to be we're going to be guided through images and we're trying to keep that receptivity, like welcoming in. And I don't know why I say that every time. And a lot of people miss that instruction. <laughs> so if they haven't fallen asleep and they're awake, and I mention a dead body, you know, or a frail old woman or a battlefield, I think it throws them because. They want, you know, well, aren't we supposed to walk through this beautiful forest and like have flowers and sunrises and unicorns and rainbows? That's, I think
0: that's the point of this practice is to get you kind of immune to these things that are sort of jarring to you. Like life isn't all just flowers and daisies and walking through meadows. Yes. And so the whole point is to lessen the reactivity so that you basically more or less have the same response to both of those images the frightening image and the non-frightening image
1: yeah yes yes it, it is a strategy and i think like that's also what's unique with the irest school is that they install an inner resource because irest you know, they did a lot of studies with the, the military and they are blessed by the military community to be at Walter Reed. It's been endorsed for military going to and from war. This practice of yoga nidra as a way to handle their, their emotional trauma and their pain. And so, and it's been very effective. They've done clinical based studies on military and it's the, the results are very powerful. And, and so because you're dealing with images that a lot of military, you know, have had that are very traumatic, IRES is installed in an in inner resource, which is brilliant. It's a beautiful uh, practice to find a. F- it's a felt sense of well-being, so that no matter where you are in the yoga nidra spectrum or where you are along this journey. You can always call up your inner resource. So, if you're feeling like frightened or you're feeling unstable, then you can welcome in the inner resource and this felt sense of well being. And that helps people be able to see whatever image is coming through to welcome it in instead of run away from it. These are, I mean, this is working with trauma and how this practice is used for. Trauma. So yeah.
0: that's so great. I, and I think that, you know, even if you have trauma that's not as traumatic as maybe war or something like that, it's still very, very helpful. And it's, I think, such an important tool for anybody who's trying to grasp this idea that pain is not something that goes away, pain is a part of life. And we all basically just need to get used to that and yeah. Yoganidra is a fantastic way to get used to that it's mm-hmm. it, like you said you're able to become the witness it's a really helpful tool to show you how to do that and it, it leads you through that so that you don't even have to try on your own
1: yeah exactly yeah um so the prescription is consistency it's mm-hmm. uh you know I, I rest says a little and often so just a little bit and often
0: yeah. And I notice when I, when I don't do it for a week, I mean, that's all it takes for me to not do it for a week. I, I'm off. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need it, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's not one of those things like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do this for a few months, you know, on a regular basis. And then it'll just be kind of instilled in me and then I won't need to do it anymore. No, it's just like yoga. It's just like, you know, the, you know, the entire philosophy practice of yoga is just like meditation. It's these things that you constantly keep in your life so mm-hmm. that it, it's a constant reminder to your brain and your body that you're okay. Exactly.
1: That you're, yeah, exactly. It's right. And that's what this is coming to is that you are okay. That it, I, we begin to identify a place in the domain of our being that is okay. Mm-hmm. And the more we can experience, I'm okay in this moment, I'm okay. That's resiliency. And that's, you know, this, this world is so chaotic and the, the, the neck break speed in which everyone is moving and the the digital world itself, uh, our bodies weren't made for this. We, what we were not designed to be this busy. And so we're adapting and that adaptation is people's eyes are bulging out of their head they're over talking over breathing driving like crazy on the road and they're not making this time to down regulate and there a lot of people are caught up in their sympathetic nervous system and it's a fight or a flight kind of thing and it's go 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 and it's how much can you get and slowing down is oh my gosh you're going to miss out if you slow down that's like seems to be the cultural like attitude by slowing down you get stupid or you'll miss out when really if we slow down and just take a moment to rest we get smarter totally we get healthier uh-huh. i had the parasympathetic this is this nervous system again it doesn't matter what you think we have a technology it works a certain way if you don't connect into your parasympathetic on a regular basis there is a price that you will pay. And it's going to be physical. It's going to be energetic. And it's going to be mental. And so Yeah, I is- noticed
0: I I know sorry. I noticed that one of the things for me once I started practicing Yoga Nidra on on a much more consistent basis. And granted, there are other things that I do that help this as well. But I hardly hate to say never, but I hardly ever get sick. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I start to feel run down, that's when you start doing more of this practice and it helps tremendously. Absolutely.
1: It's so, help. I mean, this is growth hormone we're talking about. So boosting our immune system. I mean, when we sleep or when we rest, that's where we, parasympathetic, tap growth hormone. Also, there's been studies that show 65% increase of dopamine through a yoga ninja practice So I love the science, and it's just validating more and more meditative practices that offer alertful rest, like being alert yet resting. So one of the ideas of yoga nidra is that you are awake, but your body is asleep, and that that isn't meaning like you're awake and frantic. You're you're rested. You're a restful alertness. It's a resting awareness. Like you're aware of what's happening, but you're resting in this amazing place uh, sub- sublime place um one of my uh, so i when i was back in kripalu this summer i got to meet and practice with uma dinsmore and she is a yo- big yoga nidra teacher in europe and amazing woman amazing and she kept calling this nidra shakti she kept calling it nidra shakti and in the yoga world shakti is like that creative manifestation of the divine the one in which that is nurturing the fierce mother there's a lot of terminology and descriptions of the shakti but i love how she was describing that for yoga nidra and maybe it's been described before but i hadn't heard of it quite like that and I'm like, yes, that's exactly what's happening. Is that as we enter into this practice, that shakti force is coming in and doing her work. It's, she's going to town on us and and repairing and detoxing, and it's a beautiful thing. And it's the ultimate
0: is, restorative yoga.
1: Yeah, it is. But I would say I would say this is true for meditation. Yeah. So you know, when we sit in, I know in my own seated practice that this is also the case that the Shakti's coming in and doing what she needs to do. It's just a different strategy.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: But yoga nidra is a different way in which she's coming in. It's, I love both my seated practice and I, and I love the yoga nidra practice. I think both are, it's two different uh, things. They're two different things yet. They're this, yet they're similar. It's this great paradox of the whole thing. It's like, Yeah, and you don't always have to lay down in yoga, Nedra. You could sit up. Um, one of the, off- the, the misperceptions, I think, and confusions with people who are starting this practice or maybe have even gotten turned off by the practice is that they, they get mad at themselves or judgmental that they're falling asleep. And so I, I know like some students would say, I'm just so like, I'm not hearing anything you say. I just keep falling asleep. And then I say, well, you know, if it's bothering you that much, just sit up. And then they sit up, and then they're just miserable because they really want to be laying down. So and they need sleep. (laughs) I need to sleep right now. And I just keep telling them, just hang in there. You, you are going to make it through this when your body has recovered. I promise you. And but meanwhile, something good is happening in this practice. Don't judge yourself. Because yeah. you're sleeping, you're taking it in subconsciously. You know, if you weren't hearing things when you were sleeping, you'd never hear your alarm go off. We're taking things in when we sleep. We hear the instructions. It's coming in. And so have faith that there's something good happening here, and watch the other minutes of your day go by and notice how better they are, because you took that time to rest to to honor your rhythms of your, um, your body rhythms.
0: Let's talk about yoga nidra as a tool for manifesting, because, you know, one of the things that uh, we, we started talking about was um, setting intentions. And I think this is a really good practice for kind of rewiring your brain into believing that you can achieve particular outcomes. So for example, if you want to particular job, or if you want to create more ease in your life, like you're really stressed out, or if you're trying to spark some creativity, I think that basically with this practice, you can rewire your brain so that you can start being that. And there's this quote by a philosopher, David Hawkins, that says, the unconscious will only allow you to have what you believe you deserve. So I think this is true, that if you don't actually really believe you can achieve something, it doesn't matter how hard you work, you're never going to achieve it. So in yoga nidra, we've got this term called, and yoga in, in general, we've got this term called samkalpa, and you use it at the beginning of your practice to kind of it starts this process of changing your mind to believe what you deserve, what you are, what you want so that you can manifest it in your life.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the the strategy with that is not just words that we have perhaps a des- a yearning in our heart. There's this yearning, a desire that we have and it it could be for someone else someone for a child or a lover or um, an intimate other and so the idea is this yearning and desire that we have is is not to be stated with just words because the universe doesn't work with just words it really is speaking to us with feelings through feelings and pulsations and so the more that we can make that affirmation come alive. uh, This word embodiment, how we can embody the desire, this prayer as a lived reality. This is because I think most people get when they're working with manifestation, they've, most people have learned not to state, I want peace. That'll keep you at the level of wanting, like you were saying, because you don't believe that you are peace. So you'll just keep wanting and craving peace and just keep stating, I want peace, and you'll keep wanting it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. Not, you're not being it yet. <laughs> you're not being it yet. You're just yeah. wanting it. So the universe is <laughs> like, great, she wants
1: peace. Let's keep her wanting it. <laughs> right.
0: So, yeah.
1: So how do you then flip that? got to you change your language. It. And it's not just the language, which is really important to understand. It can't be just, I am peace. It's you've, gotta, you've got to see the meadow if that's your peace, you know, or the ocean or the moon or whatever peaceful image that is personal for you that evokes great peace in your body. So using imagery along with that, is there a smell? Is it a cup of tea? Is it lavender? Uh, is there a tactile sensation? Is it the warm sun on your skin? You know, what, what other senses can you utilize to help really embody this desire that you have so that you're not saving your prayer for some future moment, but you're living it now? And so that begins to change the affirmation. And particularly with Yoga Nidra, as we're, it's kind of sandwiched. So we have the affirmation at the beginning of the practice and generally at the at the end of the practice. And at the end of the practice, when we come back to restate it, that conscious mind is looser. We've loosened the grip than when we first arrive, right? When we first start, we're settling in, we state our affirmation. But then after we've gone through this journey and we're much more relaxed and the tensions of the the mind and the body are releasing that conscious mind is looser and it's that it's more that that auto-suggestion can get in there and have more of an effect it's deeper now it's deeper planting of that seed into the soil of our being so that's it's usually why it's planted the, the sankalpa at the beginning and at the end mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's powerful stuff.
1: Yeah. Not, and again, I just want to say, though, not every school uses a Sankalpa. So, I mean, sometimes the Sankalpa is offered by the teacher.
0: And can um, you define Sankalpa for anyone who doesn't know that term?
1: So we have this word, Sam, and two Bija words. So, Sam and Kalpa. Again, Sanskrit's tricky because there's a lot of layers of nuances. But in general, Sam is like to, to bring together... And then kalpa is like, kalpa has this also meaning of time, but also like a vow. So it's to bring together in time this vow that you have for yourself. Uh, I, I like to think of the sankalpa as the code of my heart that is non-negotiable. So non-negotiable, no matter what it is that I have, project-based, with my family, whatever it is, I, I cannot lose my peace of mind. Like. I have to stay peaceful. Like that is my sankalpa. at times, I, I'm not always peaceful, to be honest. But that's my sankalpa. Like mm-hmm. I just keep affirming that. Like, and also, really, my my heartfelt desire. This sankalpa is about staying connected to my source. May that because that's what brings me deep peace is connection to my to source and how I relate to source in my own life. Um, so we have a relationship, source and I. And I am not to step away from that source. Because when I do, it's a train wreck every time. So I've learned: okay, stay with Source because together, Source and I, uh, Source knows better, and Source is communicating through me with sensation. And so that's why the practice of yoga nidra begins to teach me how to connect into those sensations and hear those messages and use my intuition so that I'm guided where Source knows that I will best serve myself and my community and my family
0: so right and that's again connecting to the essence of who you are yeah yeah exactly
1: now you could use the sankalpa i mean some people do you know for financial issues i i to get the job you want those things are 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 good and you could do that No, i really my intention is to get that job well and, uh, but, and,
0: and how I would you know I would recommend people approach that is you envision your life with this job or you know whatever it is that you're trying to manifest. Like how would your life be differently? Like what does your life look like and what does it feel like? And these are the practices that over time you just realize that you're you're living it already. You, you know, you start living that and then and then that's when things start to happen in your life, like you get that opportunity out of mid air and and you you know you meet the right person at the right time, or it's all starts from that manifesting and that living as if and that visualizing how you want to be, and you know you're just telling yourself you are already and you kind of are.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to connect to our core values as well, and like mm-hmm. uh, that these to To build our affirmations off of what what it is that will be normal in life. Yeah, I just I, because it's interesting. Like I remember Marion Williamson saying this; it always stuck with me about manifestation. And she said she had a friend. Now this is back in the '80s, but she had a friend who was an actress, and she said, "You know, all I want is this role." Of this acting role on Hill Street Blues, and that was her manifestation. I, I'm going to be this this actress on Hill Street Blues, and she would just <laughs> keep stating it over and over again. <laughs> and then Marian Williams said, "Well, well, that's great. You know, you're going to get that part on Hill Street Blues. But what if a major motion picture approaches you for a major role, but you're too busy because you work for Hill Street Blues? You know, it's like." we will get exactly what we want. Yeah. So be careful don't, what you ask for. Don't, yeah. Don't pigeonhole <laughs> so, yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I mean like it's, it's important. I remember like just when I was in my twenties and I used to have this picture of, of across from my bed and it was this, I got it at Costco. It's so funny. It was a, a window. So this picture of a window and you're looking through the window and you would see the ocean And then along the window, there'd be flowers and stuff. And every night before I go to bed, I would look at that painting on the wall of this window. I used to joke it was my ocean view. And I'd (laughs) visualize, right, my my life in the future. And I would visualize this, uh, a family, actually, a family. And I didn't know what they would look like, but I'd see us laughing on the beach. And I would just, we were lights. Because I didn't want to say my husband was going to be Tall, dark, and handsome, which is what I really wanted. But then I got uh, tall, blonde, and handsome. It's fine. But I didn't get the dark. I wanted like a hop of man, like half Hawaiian and like half. <laughs> I really did. And I got a, a blondie with blue eyes. But, you know, so I didn't put like the in. When I was manifesting my future, I just saw kids that I didn't know what they looked like. And I saw my husband. I didn't know what he looked like. But we were all happy. And we were peaceful, we, we were connected, and that was what was most important. So I just kept seeing that. And today it's just, I have that and it's beautiful. Yeah. And so I, you know, things just happen, you know, like people say, well, how did that happen to you? I'm like, I just wished for joy and said, you know, I, I get that pain is a universal constant, but I really want to be happy and living a life that's fulfilling to me. And I don't know what that looks like every time I think I know, I end up in like far left. So I surrender, I give up, just keep, let me just experience that fulfillment from my own heart. And I'll know I'll be on the right road. So that, that's where my sankalpa changed to hmm. stop being so precise about things. Cause I did, I, I got the engineering degree and yep, I worked for an engineering firm, did that. Then I was like, okay, I'm gonna work for pharmaceuticals. Yep, did that. Then I was in medical sales. Yep. Did, I got everything that I really put my attention on and visualized that I was gonna do. None of those things made me happy. It was mm-hmm. just trying to keep up with conventional world and how the world, you know, I thought the world wanted I thought I was supposed to be in the world or whatever. But when I stopped doing that and listening to my own heart, that's that's when miracles really shifted and surrendering is part of that. It's like I don't know. You know, I just I have these talents. I have these gifts.
0: Just show me
1: where to put the energy.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about using Yoga Nidra as a tool to help you get to sleep at night. As I started using it to help me fall asleep. Uh, about eight months ago, I was going through some really tough personal stuff and falling asleep on my own was just not happening. So it started as a recording I just put on just so I could have something to listen to, to get out of my own head and relax. But now I feel like it's so much more. One of my favorite quotes is, never go to sleep without a request to your subconscious from Thomas Edison. I've brought this up lots of times. Uh, And to me, setting a samkampas in your yoga nidra right before you fall asleep is that request. And when I wake up in the morning after falling asleep to yoga nidra, I feel differently than I do when I don't. And I feel, not only does it help me get to sleep, but I feel more clear and focused and creative when I get up. And Sometimes I don't even make it through an entire recording before I fall asleep. But what do you think about, uh, one, what do you think about asking questions to, to your subconscious right before going to sleep? And what is happening when you are sleeping during your yoga nidra that give you these effects when you wake up?
1: So can you state that last question one more time?
0: Yeah. So effects like when I fall asleep to the yoga nidra recordings, I wake up a lot clearer and, Mm. and more focused and oftentimes way more creative. I I just, I have, I'm not as scattered. I see. Yeah. I get it now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, your
1: subconscious is always listening and I agree. It's a beautiful thing to suggest things to our subconscious before we go to bed. Uh, I personally love to read inspirational things before I go to bed. I, it's this, you know, thing most a lot of people are looking at their phones or gosh, you do not want to look at Facebook and go to bed, oh my goodness, or the news for that matter, and then try to go to bed It's like that's the last imprint you're going to put in your mind, and then yeah, you're oh terrible. so I, it is to have something poetry um, I have like a little book from Thomas Merton that I keep near my bed that I like to read before I sleep and and the principles and values, things like this that help us stay in alignment to our heart. These are the things that we want before we go to bed to be to be thinking of or having our attention on. And then in terms of using a yoga ninja practice, there are practices for bedtime, they're shorter. So they're usually six, seven, 12 minutes. They're not the 30 minute practices. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing a 30 minute practice. Uh, The general caution is that you might, you you could wake up maybe ready to go, (laughs) and you don't want to wake up and be like, all right, you know, I'm ready to. Well, I I do the
0: I do the longer practices just because I sort of want to fall asleep while I'm doing it, and so some of the shorter ones aren't long enough, and and so you know the, the recording will be over, and I'll just kind of still be laying there, and for me, a lot of the times it's. I'm trying to, I'm using it to go to sleep. And yeah. so, two of the recordings that uh, are my go tos now are the ones that you recommended to me by Jennifer Piercy on Insight Timer, which is Yoga Nidra for Sleep and Healing Darkness for Sleep. Both are free. And yeah. uh, <laughs> one is 22 minutes, and one is like half an hour, I think. And so I use the 22 minute one if I'm feeling really tired or I'll use the 30 minute one if I'm not tired and I need a little bit longer. And yeah. so usually by the end of it, either either I fall asleep during, which is ideal for me, or once it's over, it's very, very soon afterwards that I'll fall asleep.
1: Mm-hmm. So you, you those are great practices to help you uh, stay asleep and go go to sleep, Jennifer Piercy. Some of the, you have to be careful because some of the other recordings, like particularly Amrit, they'll start oming like at the end. So if you, it'll wake you up, like you'll be like, wow. And that's the intention is, uh, okay, it's it's time you, to bring yeah, that it, it wakeful state back. Yeah, it needs to be specifically
0: back. for sleep. Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> exactly. So just, that's my only caution with which one you're choosing for nighttime. But no, I mean like it's, it's I think everybody is unique and special and for me, like, as I have been doing this practice for so long, I just use my own life as education and what, it, what was my own experience with it. And certainly in the beginning, I would fall asleep a lot. But now I've come to this point where there's no sleeping anymore for me in this practice. I'm pretty much in that deep theta state list. I'm, I'm in a hover and so for sleeping, because I've practiced it, I I'm, I don't know if I could use the whole practice to go to sleep. I think the body scan is the money for sleeping because that's what is creating that relaxation response. And um, certainly recommend it for people. What If you have a if you have discovered a yoga ninja practice and it's helping you go to sleep at night, by all means, use it. All I'm saying is that over time, it, you could change. There could be a, a change as it did for me where now no longer a 30 minute practice. I'm like wide awake at 30 minutes, uh, ready to go. So uh, for me using a yoga ninja practice at this point is to go to sleep is just a body scan and that I can usually do it by myself, particularly, two in the morning is my issue. I'll just wake up at two. It's Ayurvedic time, the Vata time where the mind starts to move and things are shifting and I'm right there. Uh, Not all the time, but I'd say a quarter of the time I, I get into that rhythm and I'm, I'm up. And so what 75%, which is a, that's pretty big. I can use that body scan mentally. I just start shutting down, uh, those circuits. And I'm back out. So I would say 75% because I'm being honest. A quarter of the time, I'm like, oh man, it's not working. Something's really coming through. And I think these are just messengers at night that are coming
0: through. So what are some of the other recordings that you recommend that may or may not be for sleep, but yoga nidra recordings that people can check out?
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, Jennifer Piercy, P-I-E-R-C-Y on the insight timer she's her tempo her pacing the quality of the sound nothing is jarring Um, I do a lot I sample a lot of yoga nidra on insight timer I'm always sampling because I want to know what I can recommend to people and there's some just voices that are just I don't know too high or too fast or it's just they'll be they'll be t- talking and then the voice will go up really high and it just jolts you out of your, pr- oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Steady voice is good. I mean, yes. And you know, we have a couple of uh, teachers here on Island that just, you know, their voices are just yeah. so relaxing. Yeah. Brenda Kwan and Cecilia Ryan are two yeah. I come top of mind. And, uh, God, I mean, they, their voices were meant for yoga nidra. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, so yeah, if you, I I always try to find that too. You know, in these recordings is um, is that voice that I connect with. That yeah,
1: you, it definitely voice will will matter to people. Mm-hmm. So check the voices out. Jennifer Piercy, though, she's great. Um, Richard Miller has. Uh, some on Insight Timer and his practice called Full Eye Rest Yoga Nidra is fantastic. And he, it's a male voice, but very soothing. And, you know, he's just such a sweet soul. So, and it really resonates through his voice. Then there is, I like this one. Her name is Melanie Cooper, um, C-O-O-P-E-R, Melanie Cooper. And she has a practice called Yoga Nidra on uh, Insight Timer. It's 26 minutes, and I like again her voice. I like her tempo, and what I like about this one, she doesn't offer an intention. She gets right. It's 26 minutes, so you're going right into um, relaxing, and then going into body scan, and then she has this really long breath count where there's a lot of quiet and stillness, which I really appreciate because. Like I said, I'm in this state now with my own practice where I appreciate a little more less guided, a little more quiet for me to absorb or process or Mm -hmm. welcome in whatever's happening. And so that's really sweet. And then, so, and I like, it's 26 minutes. So, Uh, and then the, the Amrit method is definitely on Insight Timer and the I Am Yoga Nidra. Journey Through the Chakras, I love that one, by Kamani Desi. I always say her name wrong, but it's the Amrit method. And she's the one that is, she's a beautiful teacher and beautiful voice, very soothing and calming. But she will om at the end. So if you are looking to go to sleep at night, that may not be the one. (laughs) Because you'll be like, it's an alarm clock kind of like, in case you are sleeping, it's like, you know, here you go. It's time to get up kind of a thing, so. And I will
0: also plug that on the yogaunplugged.org website, we have a free Yoga Nidra recording that's recorded by Jennifer that if you subscribe to our newsletter, you will get for free. And do you remember how long of a recording that one is? That is, it's
1: a I wanna say between 25 and 30 minutes. Yeah, which is it's a, a, good, it's a good
0: time, I think, yeah. for Yoga Nidra practice. And then, what about classes in person? I mean, we're not going to be able to tell everybody who's off island where to go. But if you're on Oahu, where do you recommend people go?
1: Well, there's some fantastic yoga nidra teachers now. It's just—they're just so exciting. It's just becoming more of more of an option. So we have to check the open space uh, schedule over in town. They have a lot of yoga nidra there. Natalie is um, teaching. Over there, she's she's really passionate with the practice. Of course, Brenda Kwan is very passionate with the practice. We have Jill Peterson, who is a senior IRES teacher. And she will be starting, well, she's by this time in April. She is teaching at Bern um, in Ainaheina. In so there's my practice that I offer um, as well at Blue Lotus kailua so there's also sun yoga has some yoga nidra i'm not sure who's teaching it over there i would say it most most yoga studios now are offering it so to just go and and try if it's your local studio to go try and and give it a chance and if not seek out some of those names i just said because i just don't know every teacher teaching it so i I can't say i've been to their class but Mm -hmm. I am excited that we're at least trying to get Yoga Nisra more mainstream. It's studios and people are recognizing the importance of this practice as much as it, as important as it is to move the body and keep it strong and do all those, you know, handstands and chaturangas. And if that's your tea or if it's, if it's, you know, bench pressing or if it's, weightlifting, whatever it is that we do to keep our body strong and, in full range of motion, we have to have a practice that powers us down. We have to, it's, it's, a, it's, it's greatly needed. And I think our culture desperately wants one and just not sure where to go. So
0: yeah, I agree with that 100%. I I try to do physical workouts four to five times a week and then do practices like yoga nidra and yin yoga twice a week for the balance. And that for me works really well. If it's just all physical, it throws me off. Yeah. And vice versa.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's the balance. And and everyone's so different and there's this like checking in with your own body what it is that you need every day. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: I mean, sometimes maybe I need, you know, more days of the Nidra and, and less days of physical, depending exactly. on how much right. I'm seasons, working, how much I'm running around.
1: Seasons of life. Uh, mm-hmm. This practice got me through two pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, for pre- postpartum, prenatal, oh my goodness, I can't, can't say enough about this practice. Because, uh, you know, as just from a mother, when you have a baby, And you're like, hey, I got a nap when my baby naps. Yeah, good luck with that. I mean, it's like, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, okay, here's my chance. Okay, no pressure. (laughs) Here we yeah, go, and you're just gonna Please. fall asleep right no, away, yeah, like exactly. Not
0: gonna happen. Yeah, but if you can throw on a yoga nidra recording, right. you could at yes. least get relaxed,
1: exactly. So,
0: before the baby starts crying again, <laughs>
1: right? Oh, so what a, what I was so I'm so blessed I had that practice for two pregnancies, so blessed. So, for moms out there, oh, don't wait, start now, just yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so if before we go, are there any events coming up that you want to mention or anything else you want to add on this topic that we didn't cover? Um,
1: I think I feel complete. I we I love one of my favorite immersions that I personally like to share is Yoga Nidra, and so um, be on the lookout for that um, this coming year to immerse yourself into the theory of Yoga Nidra and um hoping to maybe pair up with Brenda Kwan with that maybe we can offer something um, we have done it with Mary over at Open Space and I don't know if that's going to be happening or not but I think just keep your eyes open because and is that'll this like a happening. training
0: or what do you mean by immersion
1: well we usually do a training at Open Space as part of the 300 hour and Um, But I would say, compared to the trainings that I've done with iRest, that what we're offering at Open Space is more of the theory of the practice. Yes, um, people are learning how to teach it, but I think there's some more to go if you really want to be a teacher, uh, that there might be more training you would want to seek out. But for the practitioner, I think these trainings are, they'll up-level your meditation so, uh, so many in so many ways because there's a lot going on and i mean we just talked for about almost an hour and a half and we we barely scratched the surface yeah of this practice of I what know, it really does
0: there's so much to say about it and yeah. so many questions
1: there's so many and following the layers of the body I and mean, when we understand the subtle body um in the yoga it's called kosha, the layers of our body, that there's different layers and they're doing different things and how we can access them to really bring forth more of that wholeness that we are or that recognition of that wholeness so that we're living more from that place and less from the identification of our stories that we might have that Mm. aren't necessarily really positive.
0: Mm -hmm. So, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's always a pleasure to record the show with you.
1: Yeah, oh, Thank you, Sarah. Thank you.
0: Now, I'd love to hear from all you listeners out there. So please let me know what you thought of the show. And if you have any topics or questions that you'd like me to tackle on the show, the team of Yoga Unplugged and I are here for you. So please let us know. And if you'd like to join in on the conversation with us, you can subscribe to our newsletter at yogaunplugged.org. You'll get that free Yoga Nidra recording by Jennifer if you do that. You can also find us on Facebook at Yoga Unplugged by Jennifer Reuter. Reuter is spelled R-E-U-T-E-R. Or connect with us on Instagram at yoga underscore unplugged. Thanks for listening, everyone. Namaste.